Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are... F1 is back racing in Monaco. Honda find their new home. AlphaTauri, not for sale. Ferrari denied new links with Hamilton and the FIA set new speed restrictions under yellow flag. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We're the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. You may have noticed I am not James. James, unfortunately, is not feeling very well today. So I'm Ollie. I'll be covering for him. And uh, with me to do so, we have Sam. Sam, how are you? Hello. I was going to be like, you're not James. You're not my real dad. Kind of like... <laughs> I hope step I did all right. <laughs> Mate, you're smashing it so far. I'm all good, thank you. Good, good. Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yes, it's. I hope James feels better if he's listening to this, which he should be. But it's good to have you on the show, Thank you very much. Uh, that's appreciated. Now, this show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula One gifts online and in-store. Visit www.fms.store or pick up in-store. So before we get on to talking about going back to Monaco, I think we need to just give our thoughts on the cancellation of the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix in Imola, which was obviously cancelled last weekend. We haven't done a podcast since then. Um, the flooding and devastation in the area was obviously extreme. Um, I think, you know, it, given what we know now, guys, I think we'll all agree it was the right decision to cancel this race. But it was 
It was slightly unexpected. Um, Abby, what are your thoughts on the cancellation of the race? Yeah, well, last week we touched on it on the podcast and I remember saying like, oh, it will probably go ahead. F1 will make sure that they do have a race and a Grand Prix that weekend. But looking back now, it was completely the right decision, 100%. The images and the videos of the whole region with all the flooding, it is horrendous. And I hope everyone is okay in it like resolves quickly and things can start going back to normal but it was the right decision for me not to host a race there yeah i mean there there, there were there was obviously loss of life um in in the area which was tragic there's been great donations from some of the teams and f1 itself there are even brilliant images of yuki sonoda helping out on the ground sam what was your what was your take on the on the weekend that didn't happen it was nice to see f1 act against its own interests uh in the sense that it obviously cost money to cancel the race. I think it would have cost more to have gone ahead with the race without spectators, and it was becoming increasingly obvious you couldn't have spectators because obviously you need a certain element of emergency services for A, for, for drivers, you know, this is a, a dangerous sport, um, but also for fans and, you know, you're cramming 100,000 people in over a weekend, you need that infrastructure in place. So them taking a step back allows the region to focus on the people who are resident there who need those services desperately at that time so i think it was nice to see the straightforward and obviously correct decision being made yeah i think we i think we all agree on that and um, obviously our thoughts go out to everyone impacted but this weekend we are going to monaco now we did think last year that that may have been the last monaco grand prix but a new deal was done until the end of 2025 but the weather, guys, it's not looking fantastic. It's looking fairly similar to last year. Now, last year, it was uh, the, the start of the race was delayed for 45 minutes, and it was all a bit of a... Well, it was classic F1, right? So what are you guys expecting from this weekend's Monaco Grand Prix? Do you think uh, we're going to see people taking more chances because the, the weekend, obviously, previous weekend was cancelled? And do you think it's going to be a, an exciting affair? Abby, I'll hand it over to you. What's your thoughts on, on the weekend ahead? Well, I think it's most definitely going to be wet. There's going to be a lot of drama. I still think Red Bull are going to going to dominate obviously um but a lot of teams are bringing upgrades including mercedes there have been pictures on social media of them working in the garages behind closed doors with their upgrades that they don't necessarily want people to see um i think it'll be exciting obviously like you said only the weather will play a part but to be honest i'm more looking forward to the feeder series because it's f3's first time at monaco 30 cars on the track at the same time very chaotic as the drivers have said. in the wet <laughs> yeah. yes exactly um but no It'll be good. Hopefully we will actually get a lot of racing or like cars on track, on track time, and the rain won't impact it too much, but who knows? I think it's fair to say Harry Benjamin will have his work cut out from the comms box, keeping track of oh, all definitely. the various. And um, and again, also with, with F2 and F3, they split qualifying into Group A and Group B because it's a lot of cars and you know, so on and so forth. I'm actually quite interested, though, in F1s broadcast upgrade for the weekend as well so as you may have heard for the first time f1 will be taking hold of the world feed for broadcasting for the monaco Grand Prix. it was commonplace in the 90s and before for local broadcasters to 
transmit the world feed and this kind of ended up with differing levels of quality throughout the season f1 started to slowly bring that in-house and japan was the penultimate grand prix to relinquish control locally of the world feed which is what is sent out to broadcasters all over the world um in 2011 so it was just monaco that was left that still operated in this way that was under the control of tele monte carlo but there's been significant number of complaints over the years that there's missed action they're dropping the ball i think there was a lance stroll replay that was put above some close wheel-to-wheel racing which in monaco you don't get much of it sometimes so you want to be making sure you get anything that does happen so yeah f1 has taken control of that so hopefully we'll see the rest the the quality of the f1 broadcast in line with the rest of the season from now on basically yeah, and I think it, it, it's it's quite unknown that you know the, the TV uh, broadcast that you're watching, i.e., Sky Sports, they're, they're not controlling the the images. It's an F1 direct feed that goes out all across the world. And like you said, Sam, this was the last one, and I believe it was the only overtake that happened in the entire race um, when they were showing a replay of Lance Stroll just going over a curb, um, and they missed it. So yeah, hopefully this is going to be a good improvement. I think Monaco, it, it's it's certainly a track where you know, there's not as much, but there's not as many battles. But the precision driving is something that they need to capture, and they need to capture it well because it's one of the greatest racetracks on earth for various reasons. But will will we see chaos uh, in the rain? Obviously, it's it's well known for people hitting the barriers. It's going to be an interesting weekend, and I guess who 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 will get pole, guys? Because that's really what's going to determine um, the outcome of this race, isn't it? Charles Leclerc. Yeah, safe bet. <laughs> Abby? <laughs> I was going to say Leclerc and then he won't win the race because he doesn't have much luck around his home Grand Prix. Yeah, because he will get pole and put it in the wall, right? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, um, I believe you have some news on Honda, Sam. Yes. So this has been in the rumour mill for a few weeks now. Honda, as we know, have been doing a will they, won't they, in, out, in, out, shake it all about kind of thing with F1 for a little <laughs> while now. <laughs> don't laugh at me. I don't know what happened there. I don't know why I did that. Let's just, just move on. Delete, Sam. Just, yeah, just, oh my goodness. Wow. Anyway, um, as we know, that they decided to walk away from the sport, then got success with Red Bull, which had been hard to come by Um in their kind of recent history in the sport uh, with McLaren. So then kind of U-turned on that. We're in this kind of halfway house with Red Bull, but what their initial walking away had meant was that Red Bull had started to bring everything again, you know, to use a a phrase from earlier in the show, in-house. They put all of those things in place, all the logistics and all the operations they needed to, to be self-sufficient in the engine department for the first time as a manufacturer. And that kind of left them in a really awkward position with Honda because they couldn't then outsource that in the same way. So the relationship had to change and it wouldn't have worked. So that's why Red Bull are now partnering with Ford from 2026. But that left Honda basically open to suitors. We know that uh, Williams and McLaren approached Honda for a potential works deal from 2026, but it is in fact Aston Martin who have come out on top uh, in the fight for that tender. And 
it will see them become a works team for the first time. Um, I think they've been with Mercedes since 2009. So by 2026, you know, you're looking at 15, 16 years. It's a long time that they've been with Mercedes. So it's a big change. We don't know yet how that relationship, the, some of the specifics of it, we don't know if it will be a rebranded, rebadged engine because Honda and Aston Martin are quite different brands uh, it, it, you know, in, in certain senses. But yeah, I think it could be really exciting. It's kind of been long felt that in order to break into that top three, they're going to need to have a works deal. And this will bring that. And it will be the start of new engine regulation. There'll be six engine manufacturers and Honda are part of the the team that are basically scoping out and building those regulations. So it could be really, really promising for a team that have taken a obviously unexpected leap forward this year already. Yeah, I think the interesting question here is, obviously, as you literally just said, Sam, they've taken a massive leap forward and they've got a Mercedes engine. Um, are they looking at Honda and going, right, we see we see what Red Bull are doing here. We need to get onto that. But we're talking in 2026 here. Um, so Martin Whitmarsh obviously has a part to play in this because he's now the CEO of Aston Martin Performance Technologies. And he also was part of brokering a deal between Honda and his previous team, obviously McLaren. So do you think Martin Whitmarsh has said, right, this, this is the way we need to go? And this is 2026. I feel like that's in in this sport that is a lifetime away. Everything could change by then. So it's got to be more than just Mercedes not been at the front, Abby. Well, Martin Whitmarsh has also said that the partnership between Aston Martin and Honda is one of the last parts of the jigsaw puzzle slotting into place for Aston Martin's ambitious plans in F1. And I think this is the thing. Aston Martin have this project. They have these ambitions and drive to become a championship winning team. And partnering with Honda will help them with that because they need to be self-reliant. They're currently ahead of Mercedes in the constructors and the drivers championships. And you can't you can't be a customer team being ahead of the team that supplies your engines. You need to be self-reliant and do that yourself. And I think that's the main drive behind this partnership. Yeah, Abby's absolutely right. That is just generally, conventionally not accepted in F1. Um, there's, you, know, you, you don't beat the big brother, essentially. Um, and let's not forget that by being with Mercedes, they are customers. They are buying a product off a shelf. They are taking what they're given. And that also means that they have to, the rear of the car has to be worked in a certain way, the gearbox positioning, you know, so on and so forth. There is a element of control that they relinquish to Mercedes in the, the actual design of their car, which is why this kind of ethos or this idea kind of has ring true and become the conventional wisdom in, in F1. So yeah, I think it is the next step. I think We've seen in the past teams go this direction and take a, a step back initially. That could well happen. But Honda got it right eventually at the towards the end of these regulations. So you've got to think that they're going to be there or thereabouts at the start of 2026. And let's face it, it's a blank canvas for a lot of the a lot of the manufacturers. So who knows what that order could be? Because that will change. If everything else is in place, they stand a good chance. And it's looking like, you know, aforementioned Leap Forward, that that is, and they're on that trajectory. 
Yeah, I mean, Aston Martin's ambitions have always been to get to the front of the grid, and I think they've done it earlier than they expected. So it's going to be incredible to see what happens with the Aston Martin and Honda partnership. One would think that um, there's many intelligent people behind what is going on there, and we should see even more of a step forward. Now, Sticking on the uh, the talk of the front of the grid, Red Bull have decided against selling Alpha Tauri. So there was something in it. Abby, do you want to tell us more? Yes. So earlier this year, it was rumoured that Red Bull would be selling Alpha Tauri, the second team, because it was too expensive to maintain, especially with the performance that the team were producing during race weekends. It was also rumoured that there could be the likes of Andretti, High Tech Grand Prix, and the owner of the Mumbai Falcons buying out the team from Red Bull. However, Helmut Marco has finally put a pin in it and has denied rumours and confirmed that Red Bull is not selling AlphaTauri. He said, the decision has been made. AlphaTauri will remain fully owned by Red Bull and will continue to be run as a junior team. The cooperation with Red Bull Racing will be closer. Also in terms of cost cap and synergies, with his know-how, which he has acquired at the FIA, buyer is very important. Of course, this will also flow into Red Bull Racing. So what they're doing is they are going to have the base in Italy for AlphaTauri, but also one in Bychester and split the personnel within the team across both because there are some older people working in the team who have families and children and homes over here that can't logistically move to Italy. And they've also recently hired Bayer and Mekis as the team principal as well for the team. So it's to even the split of AlphaTauri across two bases to keep them running, because as Helmut Marko has also said, Red Bull need a second team, simple as that. By by Chester, do you mean Bista? Yes. <laughs> this is this is the wonderful world of England, ladies and gentlemen, you where things are spelt one way but read the other. Um, exactly. I think I think it's you couldn't have got rid of them, Sam. You surely got to agree with me there. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them get rid of them. Why? I know it's a new show because I'm not comfortable with the uh, dynamic of having a junior team in F1, like the customer engine element. You know, we've seen Mercedes use Williams for their own advantage. Let's face it, George was kept, George Russell was kept in a seat, not kept in a seat, he was earning that seat easily, you know, and then some, but they were able to place him there, allow him to develop without the high stakes environment that comes with being in a front running team and then move him in when, when he's ready. I mean, that I think is slightly taking the biscuit, but actually having a second team that is owned ultimately if you go far enough up the top by the same people and it just puts into doubt and you know they should be completely independent operations there shouldn't be any kind of oh yeah we're gonna you know move you know we're gonna move aside or whatever it might happen during a race but we've seen them swapping and changing their lineups with ease throughout a season multiple times that shouldn't and that does happen in f1 you know, France and Lacey, you know, loads of times, right? A driver, you know, a paid driver can't pay anymore. It happens. But it's, no, we're, we're swapping them. Red Bull have decided. Red Bull have changed AlphaTauri's drive lineup. That element, to me, I don't know, it doesn't sit right. It, I don't think it makes it a completely fair and equal relationship. But then also Ferrari, Haas, you know, it, I think it's not just AlphaTauri. And Red Bull, I want to be clear on that. 
But yeah, I would have liked to have seen them sold it because I think they have a close relationship than the rest. Yeah, I, I agree. It seems like they, they own more of the grid, essentially, than, than the other teams. But how many teams do they have? How many drivers do they have in F2? I don't know the answer. I know one of you will. I think it's about six of the 22. Yeah. And then they've also got Liam Lawson in Super Formula uh, as well. And then they've got, I think, only two or three in F3 last season. They were more heavily weighted towards F3 last year, I think. But yeah, they've got a big driver program. But again, I think that's fine. There's junior formula is a very different environment but when you are competing against each other there needs to be more separation abby do you think that their red bull have gone okay actually since since this rumor came out we've realized that actually lots of people want this team and it's clearly worth something so let's hold on to it and it obviously it's value as sam has said of putting in drivers that you're you're almost testing out whether you want in your your a team yeah, I think that could be part of it, but I do think it's more about Red Bull having that control to see what works to then better Red Bull racing itself and using AlphaTauri almost like a test subject, kind of like what Sam said. It's it's not fair for them to own a second team on the F1 grid. I agree that they should be independent bodies. Like you telling me that if, say, let's take Toro Rosso in 2008, who outscored Red Bull that season. I think it's the only time that they've that, that has happened what you know since 2006 when when they purchased Bernardi. And I think yes that is slightly warped by Sebastian Vettel's freak race win. But the fact they were close you're telling me that had the regulation shot changed parts of that Toro Rosso wouldn't have found its way onto the 2009 Red Bull. You genuinely told me that wouldn't have happened. No one's like, telling you that, Sam. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So that's why I think there needs to be... And there obviously are rules in place, right? But oh, you don't know who's talking to who behind the scenes. Like, you just... There's only so much policing you can do. Yeah, Helmet Marco seems to have his fingers in all the pies, doesn't he, really? This show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula One gift shop online and in store. Official Formula One team wear, artwork, models, gifts, and now slot cars available online at www.fms.store. Or you can pick up in store at their new larger retail store in Brackley, Northamptonshire. Experience their in-store F1 simulator and their new large-scale Scale Electrics Silverstone track. Maybe even set a faster slap on both to win monthly prizes. FMS, more than just an F1 store. Collect it, play it, wear it. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up on the agenda is a cliche, a big one, 
it comes around every time there's a renewal process for particularly Lewis Hamilton being you know, one of the preeminent drivers on the grid at the moment and for the last decade and a half. But yes, we are into Lewis Hamilton's silly season. And the first team up um, is the obvious one. It's Ferrari. Will he Will he not? Is it his dream? Will he stay at Mercedes even though they're not performing as they need to be? So yeah, rumour mill is churning. It's in overdrive uh, on this one. However, there have been movements taken to quash those rumours swiftly in their tracks. So what basically has come out is that they would pay him $40 million a year, making him, again, the uh, best-paid F1 driver on the grid. This has been refuted and flat rejected by Toto Wolff, who doesn't hold any weight in the rumours, and essentially said that these there are rumours that come up every two years when we have to sign a new contract, but none of this is true. We discuss normally without any time pressure. He then went on to to add uh, that it's just uncomfortable that two friends, two blood brothers who have been through thick and thin for 10 years suddenly have to discuss money. He then ends by saying, I'm firmly convinced that we'll find each other in the negotiations. There's not a millimetre of doubt in me. So, guys, what do you think? Do you think there's panic mode at Mercedes and they genuinely think he might leave this time? What's your take do you think Toto Wolff would know if talks were going on um, with Ferrari, who have also not confirmed anything? I think he would know. I think Lewis is the sort of person that would respect the relationship that he has with Toto personally to let him know. I do think it is only rumours. I know Craig Slater has said Ferrari have said no comment on it, but he has had sources say that it's under consideration to approach Hamilton. But I... Personally, I think Hamilton will stay at Mercedes. I know Toto has also said that like, if they can't provide a car for Hamilton to win an eighth championship to start winning races, it's time for him to go, which is respectable. I don't think they're going to try and keep him with the team just for the sake of keeping Lewis Hamilton with Mercedes. I think they will do what's right for him. So going to Ferrari, at the moment, they're not having a great season. I don't think it's a great move yet just the second year into the new regulations, further down the line maybe. But I think sticking with Mercedes at the moment is the right thing, especially because we don't know what the upgrades they're bringing this weekend in Monaco on the W14 will actually provide. I think had this conversation been a year ago, at this point a year ago, it would have been a very different conversation. But we're a year on. And yeah, I think that it seems like a sideways move. But also, you don't have 10 years of relationship. And for an F1 driver to stay with the same team for a decade, that is a long, long time. There is so much there. Hamilton is going to get, give them the the, the the space to get back to where they should be and you know, develop, you know, develop cars and so forth. And he's also going to give them the respect of being open and honest with them. Surely, I can't imagine that he would do it on the sly behind closed doors. So yeah, I think it would be very, very unlikely. Um, and but I think another part to consider is the other side of it. At Ferrari, say 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 they do approach Hamilton, who goes? Do you try and pair him with Leclerc or Sainz as a kind of number two? So I think that's also worthy of a, a conversation, right? Because I don't think it's clear cut. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, Hamilton's contract's coming to an end. Everyone's going to be going, right, okay, what can we afford to get? How much can we afford to put in an offer for Hamilton? These will be very high-level discussions taking place. Lewis probably hasn't even been in a room with them yet. You know, they may have approached Lewis's, Lewis's agent, Lewis's manager, but it, I don't think it's gone any further than that. And for all we know, this could have happened many times over Lewis Hamilton's career, but Lewis Hamilton is... He is Mercedes, essentially, and he spent most of his career fighting with Ferraris, even back in the McLaren days. It would be a big move to go to Ferrari. And, you know, they're, they're an all-Italian-speaking team, really, right? So, again, would Lewis even fit in that role? I think he would have to be partnered with Leclerc. It would be a bizarre move to let Leclerc go. But, again, all the contract lengths. It, it, I can imagine Ferrari sitting and having a think, do we want Hamilton? How much could we pay him? Um, you know, how could we get him here? But would it happen? I don't think yet. I think Hamilton, I, 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 you know, he has said that he would love to drive for Ferrari. I just don't think now's, now's the time. And that would be extremely disrespectful for Toto, who's obviously um, given him everything over, the, over their career. But he's running out of time. Yeah, but you can, if he wants to do his two years, Sam, is nothing, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. But also, I think it's worth considering that surely Hamilton would be upfront and open with Mercedes. Mercedes then theoretically have a head start. And they can go, okay, well, he's he wants to talk to Ferrari. Fine. Who's our number one target? Surely it's obvious, right? It's Charles Leclerc. So the Ferrari then on the back foot they then have to secure Hamilton I mean admittedly I'm not sure where else Hamilton goes but yeah so I think there's lots of lots to consider there but I I think the wise move for Ferrari would be try yeah try and bring Leclerc in but would he want to be teammates with Hamilton it's it's all those different (laughs) exactly it's all of a sudden you go from you know you go from being the guy who if they get the car right and the strategy right and the team right, you're potentially going to win the championship. You have Hamilton in the car. I don't know. Well, an entirely different task. I think there's there's an interesting thing that has literally just come out. We've just had the pictures while we're recording uh, leaked to us of the new Mercedes side pods. And they look intriguingly <laughs> like Red Bull. Abby, I saw your face react when the message came through. Um, this could all play into what we've just spoken about, really. It's happening right now. Um, Sam, I can see you're desperately trying to find the photo. But the Mercedes has side pods, doesn't it? It's got them. So uh, have they completely changed their design direction? It looks like it. May that influence him staying with them? I don't know. Well, I don't think it's going to have much effect this weekend. I think it's a muted Yeah, it's not uh, the right track for that, circuit. is it? Yeah, so, which is why they obviously wanted it to, to happen last weekend, but... Yeah, we. I mean, this is no surprise, and obviously, this has been flirted with for a long time. And in fact, they've flirted with it too long. They've almost kind of, you know, proverbially kind of blown it by flirting, you know, <laughs> st- standing at the bar for so long. So you can say it's, those all of those words together, Sam. 
Okay, now our final topic this week is, um, it's come out just before we start recording as well. FIA have made an announcement, haven't they, Abby? They have. They have tried to improve safety around on-track incidents by introducing new speed restrictions, specifically under double yellow flag zones. So basically, at the moment, yellow flags have to come out if there is a hazard wholly or partly blocking the track and or marshals working on or beside the track. And under yellow flag conditions, what drivers used to be required to do was reduce your speed significantly, do not overtake and be prepared to change direction or stop. But from this weekend, the Monaco Grand Prix forward, that requirement is now stricter in terms of the speed that drivers have to follow. What the FIA technical director, Tim Goss, has said is that This new directive is to provide drivers with a tool to help them during incidents and to make races even safer than they already are. And what they want to do is extend the use of the delta time concept to ensure that cars are strictly slowed to a required delta time when double waved yellow flags are shown under a virtual safety car or a safety car. So they're introducing a dedicated reference speed limit in the area where those flags are displayed for drivers to follow. And it's all a part of the FIA's directive to help make racing safer because there have been complaints in recent years because of how safety cars, yellow flags, all of that have been called during races. So hopefully this will take a step forward to make it even safer. Abby, first of all, can I just say, well explained, because it's, it's it wasn't very simple to do. I'm glad you did it. Um, but no, I, th- I think this 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 should have been done ages ago. I mean, if we look at um, what happened in Suzuka with double double wave yellows, cars on track, and drivers barely slowing down. I mean, it, it to me, it's a bit of a no brainer. Obviously, the technical technical implementation is a little bit more difficult of actually making this happen. But you've got to have a speed limit when there's double yellows out. Uh, no brainer to me. Can they basically use the logic deployed for virtual safety cars for just that section of the track? Is that essentially, essentially that's what this is? How, yeah. How, yeah. yeah, how they'll do that then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That's that's I guess exactly how that'll work operationally then uh, behind the scenes. Obviously, we 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 know what that effect would be in practice uh, either way. But yeah, it's it's a it's a good move. It's a common sense move, and may have taken a bit longer than we would have liked, but at least it has been taken um so yeah uh hopefully we won't have to see it in action too often well it will be interesting to see if it's uh put into action this weekend but on that bombshell i think we'll have to call it a day thank you for listening be sure to head over to formulanerds.com and all the formula nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories we'll be back on sunday for the review of the monaco grand prix which i'm sure will be a good one Uh, But until then, Abby, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And Sam, thank you also. Thank you. Thank you as well. It's it's been a pleasure and you've been uh, a worthy step host. So... Well done. Thanks. thanks, Well played. (laughs) Um, I I think... I think I'm going to have to do James McKenzie's outro. So, oh, we're done. That's That's lights out. It's mics off. And away we go. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.